The trial of Steve Bannon set to commence this week. I'm pulling double duty, but we're going to make sure that we get everything in. Also, later this week, I will see you down Tampa, Florida, where we've got Turning Points Student Action Summit, Turning Point SAS. Everything commences this Friday with Governor Ron DeSantis, and then Saturday, President Donald J. Trump will be coming down. If you wish to secure your tickets, I think there may be a couple of seats left in the far, far back, or maybe, you know, maybe we'll hook you up. If you if you use, by the way, promo code POSO, we'll hook you up. Go to tpusa.com slash SAS, link in the description. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is July 18, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's headlines. Today, the trial of Steve Bannon begins for defying the January 6th committee. Next, new report is out. Nearly 400 local, state, and federal officers waited outside the Uvalde School as gunmen targeted children. Third, Dr. Deborah Burke's book is out now. Thank goodness. Love her book so much. She is admitted to hiding data when recommending COVID-19 lockdown strategies to President Trump. And finally, BLM is slammed for protesting cops in Minneapolis for shooting a man who opened fire into a woman's home with her children. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. govern for a hundred years. His vision is almost messianic. Bannon sees himself as the narrator in a grand conspiracy of his own devising. In rare interviews, CNN investigates the man and his master plan. Looks like you have no proofs. We've looked at all the facts. What did Bannon bring to you? Bannon was calling the place. He seems to have no limits. CNN special report, Steve Bannon, Divided We Fall, Sunday at 8. The trial of Steve Bannon, it begins today. Political show trials have arrived in the United States. We've seen many of them already. If you go back and look at Flynn, if you go back and look at what they did to Papadopoulos, we know. We know that political show trials have already begun. And in many cases, right, the fact that we're seeing some of these nonviolent offenders from January 6th get sent to jail or be held in pretrial detention when their only offense was trespassing or parading. A 69-year-old woman, 69-year-old woman from Idaho with cancer has just been sentenced to two months in a federal penitentiary for parading inside the Capitol. And so it's pretty simple to me, right? Understand what point in the movie you're in. We talk about this every day here. But the trial of Steve Bannon is something different. Because this represents the highest level political official, and he was the chief strategist of the White House, the highest level of someone within the Trump administration who has now been prosecuted by not only the Department of Justice, but in this case, the Biden-controlled Department of Justice. And I think there isn't a single person out there, by the way, on either side, on either side, who doesn't think that this person, that this man, Steve Bannon, would not be there if his name were anything else, right? If his name wasn't Steve Bannon, he wouldn't be on trial today, right? They would have brought him back. They would be working this out. They'd be negotiating. But no, this is being done for political points. This is a show trial that they want the rest of the country to see. They are what the regime wants you to know. We will take your key players. We'll take your key strategists. 
We'll take your highest officials. We'll take your generals and we'll put them on trial. Show me the man, show you the crime. That's what Beria said in the Soviet Union. Show me the man and show you the crime. They can always find something. And in this case, when Steve Bannon came up and said, look, you guys are giving me the subpoena. I know what the Gen 6 committee wants. You want my records of conversations with President Trump. But the problem is President Trump is the head of the executive branch. You're the legislative branch. So there's a constitutional issue there. It's called executive privilege. Now, the Supreme Court has never ruled before whether or not because I actually went back and looked this up and I did this crazy thing. And I know it's, it's amazing to me, right? But it's called reading case law, reading the record, going back and looking at this. Executive privilege in the past has been ruled for current employees of the executive branch. However, comma, executive privilege has never been ruled on or never decided on when it comes to outside advisors. And of course, Steve was not the advisor of the president working for him on January 6th or in the lead up to January 6th. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us? So it means that this trial is all going down according to precedent. And the D.C. judge has decided he's decided that's not an effective argument because you were not a federal government employee when these conversations took place. And therefore, you can be put on trial because executive privilege doesn't count. But a lot of people are looking at that and saying, why wouldn't it count? Because President Trump was still the president. Alan Dershowitz was on War Room last week and said, obviously, executive privilege would come into play and would be a valid argument here. Right. And so I'll be pulling double duty today, possibly some other days this week while this trial goes on. I want to also let you know that over at Post Millennial on the Post Millennial side, we are instituting a limited series, an exclusive series podcast, The Trial of Steve Bannon, daily recaps. So we're going to be doing our daily recaps here. That one, it's only going to be about the trial, right? Similar format to Human Events Daily. And we've got the great Viva Fry is going to be hosting it every single day. So look for that on the Post Millennial. Of course, right here, we're going to be covering everything Human Events Daily, but we've also got the other news analysis, everything else that's going on this week. And then myself pulling double duty, taping the show here, then running down to the townhouse and filling in on War Room. Not that anyone could fill those shoes, but we'll see what we can do as the trial continues. The trial of Steve Bannon. A mass shooting in Indianapolis at a shopping mall was just stopped by a good guy with a gun. We don't know when these situations will arise, but that's the point of being a concealed carry holder of your firearm. And if you're going to be a concealed carry holder, you need to practice and you need to be proficient with your firearm. So how do you do that? How do you be prepared? You need to purchase and utilize iTarget Pro iTarget Pro is a revolutionary system that allows you to drive fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton on ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Dry fire training will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. If you go right now to itargetpro.com, and I'm going to make sure that the producers go ahead and put the link in our description, you will save 10% plus free shipping with promo code POSO, P-O-S-O. 
This is the smartest way for you to practice, and it pays for itself in one day. I, I use it myself. My family uses it. We love this thing. I was just talking to some friends about it over the weekend. That's letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com, promo code POSO. Link is in the description, guys, and make sure it's there. Thank you, me. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to ask my colleagues if they want to comment on it as well. Multiple systemic failures. Our report does not look at other comments that have been made to try to compare or contrast them whatsoever. We laid out the basic facts as we were charged with to do. And what I said early on about law enforcement, the officers who knew or should have known that this was an active shooter situation by their training experience should have done more. Those facts will allow those agencies to take a deeper dive into the actions of law enforcement and hold them accountable. The report says if you're not willing to put the lives of the people you serve, of those children before you are own, in my view, you should find another job. Well, the Evaldi report is out, and it's every bit as horrific as we all thought it was, but it's actually worse. It's actually worse, because now for the first time, we've gotten the number of officers that responded to Uvalde. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to actually comprehend this level of dysfunction and mismanagement in our government at the state, local, and federal levels. But I've talked about this before. You need to embrace the suck. So here's what happened. You had nearly 400 officers and agents of the federal government convene on this school. 376 officers and agents. 77 minutes. One 18-year-old kid, 18-year-old boy, who, by the way, the report also tells us, spent somewhere near $5,000 on equipment, just in terms of guns, the rifles, and ammunition for this shooting, right? He was able to hold off 376 by firing a couple rounds down the hallway and then putting them into absolute vapor lock. This is what happens when you have a lack of leadership in our country, a lack of leadership among law enforcement and a lack of leadership and human agency, right? They didn't know who was in charge. Nobody took charge and everybody wanted, right? Everybody wanted to be careful. They were waiting for instructions. They were waiting for orders. You should have known better. All of you should have known better. How many children died on the way to the hospital? How many children bled out in that room? while you waited, while you sat, looked at your phones, as Charlie Kirk calls them, your digital pacifiers, sitting there doing nothing. But there's another piece of the report that I really, really want to hammer down on because I don't think a lot of people have pointed this out. That school, Uvalde, that's a border town, right? Uvalde is a border town. And where is it? It's located directly on the intersection of two highways, one coming from Del Rio, Texas, and the other coming from Eagle Pass. Del Rio and Eagle Pass. This is one of the heaviest human trafficking corridors in our entire country across the southern border. And what else do you have that's going on there? These bailouts. What's a bailout? And they said, well, we had a problem recently because there's been so many bailout security alerts. What what are bailout security alerts, you ask? That means when the human traffickers and smugglers are coming across the border 
They get caught. They're being chased by police. They then crash their car and all the illegals in the car get out and run away, sometimes armed. Sometimes it cuts through the parking lot of a school. And we say, well, how many times has this happened? Between February 22 and the end of May 22, this year, the school was on lockdown 47 times because of human traffickers being chased by the police in violent police chases, cutting across areas adjacent to, nearby, or on the campus of this school. So it became a situation that when the security alert went out because it was a shooter, all the police thought that it was another one of these human trafficking situations. And this is just one border town. I want to say that again, just to really make sure that I hammer this point home. I'm not going to hit the table. Okay, I will. 47 lockdowns at this school in a four-month period prior to the shooting, including the day before because of human traffickers coming across the human trafficking corridor along which this school sits. This is only one border town. What are we doing to our children in this country? When the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't transmit it, was that a lie or was that a guess? Or is it the same answer? I think it was hope that the vaccine would work in that way. And that's why I think scientists and public health leaders always have to be at the so, table, so being it, very clear what we know and what but we this, don't this know. Is in, this is important for the country to know. So when I asked the question, when the government told us that the vaccinated couldn't get it, and I asked you if it was a guess or a lie, you said you don't know. You said you think it was hope. So what we do know is it wasn't the truth. So they were either guessing, lying, or hoping, and communicating that information to the, to the to the citizens of this country. So Deborah Burks is out with her new book, and I'm not sure if this is a confession or a manifesto. Maybe it's a confession-festo or something. But And we got the story up at postmillennial.com. The great Libby Evans wrote it. And, and you read some of these quotes. I couldn't do anything that would reveal my true intention, she writes, to use the travel ban as one brick in the construction of a larger wall of protective measures we needed to enact very soon. See, I called for a travel ban right away. You can go back and find my tweet. 15 January or 20 January there, there or so in 2020, I said, add China to the travel ban. Just go ahead and add China to the travel ban, right? Leave them there as far as I'm concerned. But then it goes on where she says, she admits, Dr. Deborah Burks said that she was hiding data, obfuscating data, and lying about data when presenting it to President Trump and other members of the team because she wanted the lockdown policies in place as soon as possible. She also writes that she knew that governors would take up her lead and go for the lockdowns if she, if she framed it in the sense of guidance. And that's something that here in Human Events Daily, we've hammered this point home from day one. We know what you're saying when you call it the guidance. We know it just sounds better, right? It tests better with the, uh, you know, the focus groups when you say guidance rather than saying something like, you know, federal directive, government mandate, government order. They're all the exact same thing. And then when the governors, the imperial governors get their orders down from the imperial capital, right? They can turn around and say, oh, well, that we're just following orders, right? We're just following, we're just following the guidance. We're just following the guidance, right? This is what leads you to a situation that our founding fathers never wanted. 
where you, you could actually have a federal bureaucrat like Dr. Burks instituting lockdowns, a federal bureaucrat like Dr. Fauci instituting masks in your school when the school board votes against it, when the governor of the state votes against it, the power of the imperial capital to overrule those closest to the actual situation on the ground. Because the people who are actually closest to the situation on the ground are the ones who understand best how to deal with their area. The United States is a large and diverse country. This is true. What do I mean by that? The city of New York and the policies that they wanted to enact, the mitigation policies, are not the same as, they, as you would have in a state of Kentucky or the Dakotas or Montana, right? Los Angeles is going to have different policies. Again, these are all different areas. You've got different makeups. You've got different demographics. You've got different um, age ranges in some of these areas. Florida, for example, obviously has our highest percentage of seniors. And then look how Florida went with all of this. But none of that occurs to Dr. Burks. There's also nothing in her book, by the way, where she says that she ever questioned the efficacy of lockdowns. She basically just says, well, China is doing it and therefore it must work. So we're going to go ahead and continue to do lockdowns. We're just going to use different names. We're going to call it other things. By the way, she also points out in this book that she straight up, straight up lied about two weeks to stop the spread. Because in the book, right, she says the two weeks bought us time to extend the mitigation strategies or to come up with a way to extend the mitigation strategies. So you knew from the start, you knew from the start that it wasn't going to be just two weeks because a lot of people were on board with two weeks. They said, fine, you want two weeks, we'll give you the two weeks. Never again, never again. They took the two weeks and they stretched it into almost, we're going on what, two years now, over two years, vaccinating children, the only country in the world the only country in the world that is vaccinating little kids. And now the studies are coming out talking about women, 40% of women having menstruation issues because of this. No, no. We're the only country in the world that is pushing this stuff. We know that there's a financial incentive here for it. Why isn't the EU doing it? Asia is not even doing this. So Dr. Burks, I would say that your investigation should be the one that comes up right after Hunter Biden in the new Congress. This is not okay. This is not a George Floyd situation. George Floyd was unarmed. My kid's in the car. My kid's in the car. My black kid is in the car. He tried to kill me in front of my kids. He tried to kill me in front of my kids. So what you just heard is the mother of two young children, both under the age of five. And there was an assailant who was inside their apartment complex in the city of Minneapolis, who was firing his gun into her apartment where she lived with her two young children. That assailant was later taken out by Minneapolis police. Following all of this, local activists, BLM and others, came together and they've raised tens of thousands of dollars for this individual, Tekel Sundberg, because they feel that his death, right, at the hands of police was not justified. Yet all of a sudden, for one of the first times ever, 
a victim, an actual victim of one of these criminals comes forward and says, what are you doing? How do you justify your actions? This, and this never happens, by the way, right? And these guys, and they're doing the whole nine yards. They've got the same lawyer from Ferguson and Floyd and all that. It's always the same guy, this Ben Crump guy, right? It, it, this is a business model for him, right? It's a business model. You stir up unrest, then you get a settlement from the city. You might not even have to file a lawsuit, right? It's you know, nice work if you can get it, right? But that's what Crump does. I feel like this guy's got a teleportation machine somewhere, right? Where he just hears one of these things happens and then he's just there. He's just suddenly there, right? He's always, his name's all over it, right? And he's just getting money from the city. That's more money, by the way, that the city can't put to city services, that the city can't put to their police force, keeping the city safe. And, you know, any of that, you know, normal basic stuff that people used to care about. No, no, that money is just there for settlements for Ben Crump, right? But in our society that we've decided to turn over to the criminals, in our society where the violence in cities is completely insane and it's getting worse, right? It's getting so much worse. Here we have a situation where one of the victims, because they lived in the same apartment complex, mind you. So she lives in the same place where this all went down, right? And they said the police were negotiating with him and that eventually snipers um, saw a reason that they needed to take the shot. They took the shot, ended the threat, protected this woman and her children, right? There was a good Samaritan at a mall just outside Indianapolis yesterday where a mass shooting had started. Good Samaritan, 22-year-old kid, was armed, concealed carry, ended the threat. And I saw some people writing. They said, how can you support something like this? Aren't you supposed to read the Bible and be pro-life? They said, doesn't the Bible say you're supposed to be pro-life? How can you support the killing of somebody, right? And I said, it's simple. Stopping a mass shooter is aggressively pro-life. Protecting the lives of others. This is aggressively pro-life. Taking proactive action, or in this case, actually reactive action, right? These types of actions are absolutely pro-life. This is why we wear seatbelts. This is why we protect people. This is why we look both ways while crossing the street. And at the same time, if you're in a state that's following federal guidelines under the Supreme Court that allows concealed carry, you're carrying because you want to protect yourself, you want to protect your family, and potentially, if you're in that situation, protect the lives of others. And that's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Leave us uh, one review and then share this out with one of your normie friends. And by the way, these reviews, we've been looking at them. We love them. We love when you guys hit the five stars, but we really, really love when you guys actually write something. Some of them absolutely hilarious. We might start reading these. We might start reading these on air. I'm not sure. I've been looking at them more. So if you leave us a comment on our uh, on our review link, go down, swipe up on your podcast, and the leader of you, we might just read it online. So what did we talk about today? Number one, of course, the trial of Steve Bannon for defying the January 6th committee begins today. Next, nearly 400 local, state, and federal officers cowardly waited outside the Uvalde school as a crazed gunman targeted children. Dr. Deborah Burt admitting hiding data when recommending COVID-19 lockdown strategies to President Trump. And finally, BLM slammed for protesting Minneapolis cops for shooting a man who opened fire into her home. We know this is shaping up to be an insane week. The trial of Bannon, the show trial, begins today. Jury selection 
Indications are, by the way, that doesn't look like it's going to be a long trial. So we'll see what this means. But we also know what a D.C. jury is going to do. But the real question isn't so much the trial itself. It's all about the appeals and it's all about going up to the Supreme Court. But before we sign off today, it's time for today's history break. In this week, all the way back in 1936, the Spanish Civil War began. General Francisco Franco issued a manifesto and led an uprising in the Spanish army stationed in Morocco. And a lot of people have looked at this situation and they say, well, Franco must have been evil, right? But they don't talk about the fact that the people he was fighting were also communists. It was communists versus nationalists in Spain all the way back in 1936. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore. <laughs> 